0: Uh, well first of all again thank you for coming on no you know, Inside the Life Football podcast. Um I've actually wanted to chat to you for a little while. If I can just take you back when it started 23 years ago um back at the St Albans Academy. Uh, just wh- who were you a supporter of as a kid and you know what got you into the game?
1: Um So I was born in Watford so I was always a Watford supporter and I was always hoping obviously to be part of like the Watford Academy and kind of Break into the first team that way. Um, I think a gift Noel Williams might have been at Watford at the time when I was younger, and I think he broke in when he was like sixteen or something like that. So he was kind of like an inspiration of trying to break in, wanted to break in and like do what he did. Um, but unfortunately for me, I, I never really was never really in an academy uh, at a young age. I was I had one season at Watford. I think I had one season at Millwall, but most of the time I was playing Sunday League football with my friends. Um, and I ultimately ended up at St Albans. Um, I think from the age of 16 up to like eight, um, to the under 18s and the, and they had like a midweek youth team which is which is very kind of similar to everyone else's academy so that's I got into that and, and that's how I kind of got into the first team for, from scoring uh, goals for, for for that team.
0: I so say, how was the St Albans environment was it kind of something you expect at that level I mean did that Fulfill your your ambition to progress your career further. So playing Sunday league to actually being at you know a non-league football club academy is is to the step up.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was great because I was I was at school so playing football. I was playing football for St. Albans on a Wednesday. I was playing football for St. Albans on a, a Saturday with a men's team, and then I was playing football for the the Sunday team as well. So I was getting loads of football, and and I loved it. I loved every minute. I wanted to play in every single game. I was playing. Obviously, stepping into the first team at sixteen was was quite daunting obviously you have like uh, that full-on men that who are are there kind of earning a living and and when a 16 year old comes in and uh, starts kind of running around and running past people it's it's an environment you have to learn that you're going to get quick uh, kicked pretty quick so it was it was great it was a real good learning curve for me to to be introduced into the to the men's game at such a young age I, I, I think I worked out how to look after myself I worked out um, what I needed to do to be effective and also I think coming through the non-league it, it, I realised how hard I had to work if I actually wanted to to make it as a professional
0: and you certainly started to make yourself as a name because you got to move to Dagenham and Redbridge first of all uh, it's the first time you met John Steele wasn't it we'll, we'll touch on John Steele a little bit later but I've got here just some stats you know, 38 goals and 107 in your first spell it's where you truly began to make a name for yourself I mean what about the club convinced you that they were the right choice to make the step up to um i think
1: it's just when i had a a chat with john to be honest um i think i was arsley town and we played dagenham in the fa trophy um and i think we drew 3-3 at, at dagenham and beat them 4-2 arsley's ground and i think that was just before john uh, came in as manager um and i think he he kind of saw that what what i was capable of and at the end of the season he came came in and asked me that like, obviously asked if i wanted to join dagenham and he kind of explained what he wanted to achieve. And obviously I knew Dagenham was a club anyway, because Dagenham were, were always fantastic at performing in the FA Cup. Um so you kind of knew who they were from from those exploits. So it was always a, a real exciting uh prospect to be like part of part of that club.
0: And so well you stayed there for three years and, and then you get you know surely a lucrative move to Peterborough United at the time, who we were always known for picking out you know great talent from the lower lower reaches. Promotion to League One in your first season, pretty good. Can't really beat that. Um I mean, what were the difference pressures compared to Dagenham and Riverbridge? Because there is quite an environmental difference there alone, isn't
1: there? Yeah, I think well, when I first joined Dagenham, it was I was it was part like I was part-time, it was like part-time, full-time. So you had a few players full-time, a few players part-time, and um I was gonna to go to university and then I kind of had a chat with my dad and said that it might be the first like the last time you get to play professional football, so give it a go. So I spoke to Dagenham and they were like do do can i go full time and i said yes so that was kind of my first taste of kind of full time football at that at that time through through Dagenham which was which was amazing it was it was hard to adjust to because it was a lot to take going from like one to two days a week to then training almost every day um so it was it was it was intense but it was it was a real good insight into it um that, that season the season i would left Dagenham for Peterborough, I think the club went on to win uh, the conference, which was which was amazing. It was a a fantastic squad and an amazing team to be part of. Um, but obviously, when Peterborough come in and with the kind of the excitement that was around Peterborough with Darren Ferguson coming in as manager, they I think Aaron McLean had gone there in the summer or just at the beginning of the season. George Boyd had just joined, so there was a real and I knew these players because I played against them in in non league. Um, so you could see their intent of what they wanted to create and what they wanted to grow. So it was an exciting time to to go and be part of it. Um, and again, it was just it was just enjoying it. I, was, I think when I was like young and and coming through the, through the game, I, I was just very naive and I was very just go out and and do play as I am and 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 that's it and and just enjoy what I was doing. And I think that just that kept uh, like giving me a snowball effect of just progression after progression and when I'd done well, scored goals in the league two, Um it was, again, it was going into the league one. It was exactly the same mentality of just not worrying who they were or what they, what clubs they'd been at or what the club's name was. It was just go and play football against the person that's uh, up against me and, and see what happens.
0: So you mentioned Darren Ferguson, because he's in the spotlight again. He's returning to Posh for a fourth <laughs> time. So he's had success overall there. I mean, that's fair to say, I mean, but what was it like to play under him? And and why is it understandable that he's Darren McAnthony's go-to to, situations
1: uh well i think obviously he's the, he's the most successful manager that they've had the the, the promotions he's he's achieved for for the club is, is has been phenomenal um when i met him he was he was very young he was just coming i think he just came out of his playing days and it was his kind of his first job and for me as a player it was it was fantastic because we were we were very much all out attack we were kind of score as many goals as we can and don't worry about how many concede as long as we score more than we concede, we win the game. And I think that's at my period in that, uh, Peter. But we were very uh, entertaining because that was our philosophy. It was like, if you score four, we're going to score five. Um, and as I said, as a centre forward, like that, 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 that's a great, those great games you want to be involved in. Um, so he obviously brought great times to the club in the period when I was there. He um he obviously got the club promoted a few seasons ago back into the championship, um and, and I think he's a he's a fantastic fit for the club. He knows the club inside out. He knows what it takes to get out of the division that the uh, that the club are in currently. Um, so I think he he will go in there and and he will he, he will stamp his foot on there and and expect to to be competing for. Uh, promotion come the end of the season
0: i say this football that that sounds chaotic but I mean, that sounds fun to be a part of and also <laughs> yeah. it's just too early for xg because his xg there would be oh, stats blowing could you imagine
1: it would have been <laughs> off the chart if he had xg then
0: um you were off the charts on in 2010 11 and the most prolific striker in england with 35 goals i've got here uh and including one in the playoff final against huddersfield i mean Every footballer dreams to score important goals, especially Wembley is a thing in this country, but it wasn't Wembley. It was Old Trafford, of course. Mm. But I mean, regardless of that, I mean, how was that season overall for you and the team and just the feeling of scoring in a game so significant?
1: Yeah, it was It was amazing. Obviously, I think the, the season before, I think we just got we got relegated from the championship. And that was really disappointing because I don't think we ever really gave ourselves an opportunity to compete in that division um so to to go up the season before and then to get relegated straight after the next season was was disappointing but um the club kind of kept everyone together we kept the majority of the squad together and rebuilt a bit um and obviously Darren came back in kind of partway through that season um and kind of guided us into the playoffs and obviously to to score a goal in the playoff was was amazing it, we were a typical peterborough it was nil nil up until kind of 75 minutes and then we scored three goals in in 7 minutes so we we did it the typical Peterborough way, but it was it was just a phenomenal like for me it was a, it was a fantastic season because of the amount of goals I scored, but also to kind of uh, get the club bouncing straight back into the championship was was amazing.
0: Being part of squads like that when they get promoted and relegated straight away because it was there were kind of yo yo in that you know late twenty ten late noughties early twenty tens. I mean, what do you think makes the difference between that step up? Because is there just something not click in the season you get relegated, or is it just that step up is?
1: um yeah, i think had a lot of change. In. that season we had a lot of change I, I think we had four four managers in in that season um and a lot of players that came in and out um so it was there was there was a lot of un unsettling in in that season and obviously when you go into the championship it is something that you can't have you you have to be in the right frame of mind throughout the whole club because it's you're playing against teams that have been in the in the premier league you're playing against teams that have got huge budgets um so I I don't feel that season we ever really gave ourselves a chance because I think there was too there was too much uh going on 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 and off the pitch um so it was obviously very disappointing um it was nice to have a taste of the championship and and see what the championship was all about and I think a lot of us believed we could we could play at that level um I just don't feel as I said as as a club at that time it was it was settled enough to to have that opportunity to do it.
0: I get a good taste of the championship. It's fair to say you know, you wanted a bit more. Every professional footballer will want more. There was rumours at times, whether you heard of them or not, moves to the Premier League with you know Norwich City, Queen's Park Rangers. Does that kind of get in your mental a little bit and kind of sway you to think, oh, well, I kind of want to go there, even though you're happy where you are?
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to, to have clubs of, of those nature at the time. As you said, they were, I think Norwich uh were interested and they were just on the verge of getting to the Premier League I think QPR were in the Premier League so obviously everyone every player who plays wants to play at the highest level Um so to have those clubs interested was was fantastic and but for me I'm always a player like unless something uh, like is concrete I will I will always work my heart out for whoever I'm playing for and at the time I was a Peter player so the most important thing for me to do was perform week in week out for Peterborough. And, and those, those things would take care of themselves if they were meant to be.
0: Who was that? Who was the worst trainer at Peterborough?
1: I'd have to say Charlie Lee. Oh, Charlie right. Lee was probably the worst, one of the most talented, like a hundred percent, one of the most talented, but like when it came to running or anything in those, those aspects, Charlie would disappear and uh, he, he, you wouldn't see him or he'd be right at the back. So yeah, Charlie was probably the worst.
0: It's always the way, isn't it? You know, turn up on match day, don't do anything to get in the squad, but do the magic. Always, yeah. always the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, with links to uh, the Premier League, you do get a move to Brighton in the end. Um, you work under Gus Poyet, who's obviously one hell of a player in his day himself. Yeah, um, he's always come across, you know, quite charming but firm in the media. Is that a fair assessment to work under? yeah definitely
1: i think uh, it, when it was it was going well he, he's he's a, he's a charismatic fantastic guy and obviously like any manager when it's not going uh, well they 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 have another side of them that, that you see so uh, it, 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 say every manager has that has that um he was he was great to work under it was it was a difficult for me to to start with because it was a completely different way of playing. For obviously, for, with with Peterborough, we were very much, as I said, all out attack, get the ball forward for quick. I'd like to play on the shoulders, and and they'd give me a supply line. With Brighton under Gus, it was a bit more kind of slow-paced. We'd keep the ball a lot. I'd have to be facing the, 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 the game more than kind of stretching in behind. Um, so it, it was it was a real big learning curve, uh, for me at that time, but he was a, he was a great guy to work under.
0: So, what what sold you on Brighton as a project?
1: Um, I just think what what they were trying to create uh, at the time I joined. They just moved into the Amex. Um, the chairman was looking to build a new training ground, so you could see the infrastructure that they were putting in uh, was a was a club that was saying Look, we're, we're we're in the Championship now, but we're looking to push beyond that so I just felt this it was the right club to go to it was a great project to be part of and I was hoping that I would be part of it and take it into the Premier League ultimately for me it wasn't meant to be but a few years down the line the club have got to the Premier League and now they're they're pretty much an established team within the Premier League
0: and so just going back to talking about the style um, because I've read a quote of yourself you know saying a bit disappointed in the number of goals you got you know the style didn't help you in that aspect did you ever speak to like gus about that and try and you know try and explain that this isn't helping me or was it just kind of you've got to try and benefit the team
1: yeah i think i think when we spoke at the beginning when i joined i think maybe the impression was they were going to play a bit more to my strengths and they were going to get players around me um to to help me get goals and and play as i said play to my strengths i think once the season started i think they probably realized Quite quickly, how quite tough the championship is, and and maybe that style changed a little bit, uh, and then now obviously I had to learn to work the style rather than the style be suited to me. Um, so it, it was difficult, as I said, for me. I was I always wanted to be on the shoulder. I had a great pace, um, and I, I always wanted to to use that, and and I had to learn a completely different way of playing. Uh, I say with my holding the ball with my back to goal, with it being a little bit more patient i wish i scored more goals i probably could have scored more goals um, um i think i became a little bit negative with myself uh, with throughout the seasons because i feel like i should have been doing better and also the, the having the price tag that i was at, i took that on board rather than embracing it and taking that as an uh, as an amazing reflection of what the club thought of me i kind of internalized that and i took the pressures on um, rather than kind of say going the other way and enjoying enjoying that and expressing myself,
0: so it was it about three three million pounds at the time, yeah. wasn't it? So if you yeah. look at it in a positive way, that means you were kind of you know worth thirty million quid back then for, for now. So <laughs> yeah. you know, value for money. Yeah, yeah. Um, ultimately, we can talk about it, you know when you don't get your contract renewed at the end of that season, you say coming back when you, you started as a kid through your academy and your Sunday league and you're building your career. How does that moment? feels professional because that kind of it's a fair so like a brick wall minute of oh, okay um it was a
1: bit gutting uh I, I totally understand why because I obviously that in the my second season i ruptured my achilles and it kind of mm. it took a lot away from me from from what i was as a player like being out i was out for 13 months so kind of a lot of my acceleration my pace and everything had, had kind of been taken away so i I, I, had, I really had to learn how to be a different player uh from from that Um, Which was which was difficult to to try and do um, in that period of time, and I think also at that period I came back in like my third season in the fourth season I was still kind of playing catch up as I've been out for so long and I hadn't played regularly. I was playing catch up that season. Um, and obviously we didn't have a very good season that that year we we, we were close to getting relegated so obviously at that point I think Chris Hewton was the manager he has to do the best he can do and that's to keep the club in the in the division and ultimately we had to kind of sacrifice our attacking intent to make sure that we didn't concede goals and and try and nick nick games so it was it was a very very difficult season I think only probably scored four that season and so it was it was it was tough and I kind of knew towards the end of my time at Brighton and that that conversation was coming and that would be the the case because I hadn't performed. As I said, I was coming off the back of a major injury and still trying to find fitness and who I was as a a player. So, yeah, it was tough because I I love being at Brighton and I don't ever feel... I showed the, the like the, the, the true Craig McHale Smith of, of what I could have been, um, but me that's that's life. That's football. These are the things that, that happen, and you just deal with
0: it. And in twenty fifteen, uh, you get a move to the to the bigger club on the side of the M1 uh, Luton on a three um, <laughs> uh, I-, I was personally excited so in the second season in, in back in the Football League I thought alright we've 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 got a scorer and yeah. it looks like we're building something and you meet up again with a legend that is John Steele yeah. uh, it's been obviously years since Dagenham days I mean how was it under him a second time and, and how did he sell the club to you? Well, I knew
1: the size of the club, and and like obviously I, I spoke to him, and I knew a couple of people there, so obviously I knew what the club was was all about. Um, obviously it was familiarity going with John again because I knew I knew John had looked after me well when I was at Dagenham and helped me improve and and progress me as a player. Um, obviously coming back off of a major injury, I was looking to find form and and fitness and play games regularly and and obviously score goals. And and fortunately for me, it didn't quite go that way at Luton um it was again it, it culminated with me getting a major injury in in my first season I think I was I broke my uh, shin and I was out for mm-hmm. my ankle I think it was and I was out for eight months um which ultimately is is difficult because I've missed almost two years of football in the last four or it would it, it's and then I'm playing catch up again um so it was yeah it was really tough and then coming back you had Jack Marriott Danny Hilton, Isaac Vassell, all kind of firing. So uh, I kind of didn't fit in at that moment in time.
0: Some of the names you've listed off there, I, I forgot. I forgot after them played for us, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, if we can touch on it, I know it's a bit potentially a sensitive subject with with, with players, um, but just, just the mental side of when injuries start to build up. I mean, have clubs always been supportive with you and, and just how... I'm not say anything like rub it in or anything but like yeah. how difficult is it to kind of deal with that because you know your pros are training and you're mm. trying to just recover in rehab you know yeah like...
1: it is tough it's really tough to say like when you're a long-term injury and you're watching everyone train every week and like you're for me when after rushing my Achilles it was learning to walk again and then I had to learn to to run and then all these basic things that I was having to learn to do and I was watching the players obviously training I think my first the second season of Brighton when I rushed my Achilles you got to the playoffs and lost to to Palace and obviously I'm I'm wanting to be there and help and get them across the line and then the next season comes and you're still not playing and the, the games are ticking down and it it is a real mental battle. Um it's it there is I think there was a little bit of help for me at Brighton at the time. I think they had a sports psychologist, but it was again, it still wasn't probably as thought of as much as it is now. Um I think the only benefit I had was I, I had my um little girl was born in the year that I, I ruptured my Achilles, so that was a real big kind of uh, game changer for me. It gave me a real good focus. But it was it was tough. The, the I think the hardest thing was coming back and not actually being the player I was, um, and then trying to find out who I was, like and on having to find out really really quickly because obviously within football you 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 don't have much time. There isn't uh, we can give you five to ten games, fifteen games to find out who you are and what you're doing. It's like here's here's one game, like like figure it out as you go along. So. It was a it was a tough journey trying to work out who I was as a player, what how I would I could go about like finding like scoring goals, like what would needed to be done to 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 become a better player. Obviously, at Brighton, it wasn't meant to be, and and I moved on, and then obviously the same thing happened at Luton, breaking my ankle. It's it, you're then playing catch up again. I think I'm 32 maybe at this time, so it's not like I'm young and I've got the time in the game. It's it's I've got to do this this quickly, and there's young players around me who are scoring and playing well. Um it's it it is is it is a real mental battle. And as I said, probably back then there wasn't as much advice and, and help that there is now. So it sometimes you do feel like you were on your own and you're battling it. Maybe you and the physio were, were would become good friends because you spend so much time together but you, you you wouldn't there wouldn't be too much help unless you uh, really went out and found it mm. there wasn't too much so I'm I'm really proud of myself in that sense how I kind of dealt with it and got through it and and how I kind of reinvented myself in a sense and and carried on my career um and obviously with Luton again I, I was disappointed that I never really showed the club or the fans exactly what I was capable of um but it says it, it is what it is. These things happen in football. It's it's not a, a game where you go through and, and don't get injured and don't have ups and downs. You you just got to deal with them and and work them to the the best you can.
0: No, I definitely, hundred percent agree. Definitely, the mental strength you've had in in your career to deal with say ACLs are the well, they're just the worst one you can get, right? I mean, if you come back from that to even play yeah. again, it's just fair kudos to you. Yeah. Um, think- but on a on a slightly line note. Yeah, uh, you say you're a Watford supporter, and I'm assuming your family is as well. And obviously I do know
1: how big the rivalry is. But again, as I said, like I know John, I knew John and, and it was a it was a comfort thing that like I, I didn't speak to many other clubs. Um and for me ultimately it's all about football. As much as I support Watford, if I if I put a Luton shirt on, I'm gonna give everything I've got for Luton. It's mm. I know there's rivalry, but as a football player, sometimes it's like you, you, you've got to go and play where you can play and, and give everything you've got. So um, I did get some stick from my friends, and not many people knew that I was a Watford supporter. Mm. Um, but as I said, I, once I pull a shirt on, it doesn't matter whose is. I will give everything I've got for for that shirt.
0: No, definitely, and it shows again because you returned to Peterborough again. Um, just a bit curious because there was quite a, there was two or three back and forth loan spells to Peterborough. I'm just curious, like what was the the reason to go back like so many times without signing permanently, or was that just not an option? I think the I think the first time I went back, I was.
1: I was at Brighton um, and I think it was, again, it was just to get games and to get fit um, and play, play regularly. So I could kind of, as I said, like find myself because I wasn't playing regularly at Brighton. Mm. So I needed minutes just to kind of uh, get fit. And and obviously they were willing to take me for a few games. It didn't last very long because the manager, I think it was Semi Hippier left and then Nathan Jones came in. So I was only, I was only there for like three games. And then I played a couple of games for, for Brighton and then Chris shooting came in and I played a couple of games and I was out that I didn't play again so it was like it was quite difficult. Um, the same with with Luton, I I went on loan to Peterborough to to get minutes and play and it was nice because I think I've scored like I think it was like five goals in like thirteen games or something and and ended up scoring my hundredth goal for Peterborough at that moment in time so um i I had a great relationship there obviously my father-in-law is he he's there as well so he he obviously is a a, a real big help and they were they were amazing to me through those two periods which ultimately helped me to to get some fitness and some games
0: i think that was crucial getting your fitness and games back Mm. because wickham became your next club in that summer um i think 62 games 11 goals if that's right um my good friend uh, Hans, he asked a question on Twitter, uh, just mostly around Gareth Ainsworth. He's a big Wickham supporter. Yeah. Um, it is, it does come over quite obvious that you know he does have a unique identity, and, and the dressing room does seem a quite tight environment. Hmm. You know, what was different about that to any other moment in your career?
1: Um, I think like this, the togetherness, it, like. I've, the, the dressing room at Peter was amazing. Um, again, the Brighton one, Luton, they're all they're great dressing rooms. I'm very lucky throughout my career that I've been in all good dressing rooms. I just think with Wickham, it was like, there was just an expectation from the players. I think when I joined, I think you had myself, you yeah. had uh, Akin Fenway, you had Sam Saunders, Marcus Bean, Adam Alab, Nathan Tyson, um, were, uh, I think Joe Jacobson. So we were all like, we were kind of getting on in our careers. And obviously a lot of people had written us off. Um, so I think when we came together, I think it was like let's show people like that we're not we've not been written off and we've still got a lot to give. And I think we kind of come together and we and we, and we kind of brought the young lads in at that time. I think we had like Luco Nine and Dominic Gape and um, the other players. So we brought it all together. And I think there was a standard that was set and there was there was a bar that was set by the older players and you weren't allowed to to go below that. And I think everyone just bought into that culture and obviously they've just, they've harnessed it and harnessed it. And it's just, it's just become a, a real superpower for, for Wickham because obviously we went that season, we got promoted into to league one. Um, and then I think the season I left, they got promoted out of the league one into the championship. Um, and then they've, they've, they're back in league one, but they're, they're pushing to, to, to uh, fight for promotion again. So I think the, the, the biggest superpower I have is the dressing room. I think Gareth does a fantastic job at, uh, at, at cultivating that. And obviously, here's Rich Dobson as well, who is, is brilliant at the tactician. So I think they've got a fantastic um, identity, which they they thrive on and which they play to. And it's been fantastically successful.
0: How uh, how fun is Adebayo and Fenway in training? Because I imagine... I just imagine he's he's like a prankster level kind of kind of guy in, in the changing room.
1: He's fantastic. He's 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 a he's a great great guy. Um he's someone you want on your team, someone you want in your dressing room. Um he's a positive man. He's 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 overcome so many obstacles in his career and and thrived. Obviously he's he's now thriving outside the pitch, but he's he's an inspiration and I think obviously for for the older players and the younger players, they all kind of looked up to him and he was a great person to go to and talk to and bounce ideas off and 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 problems and um he he was a fantastic asset um to the club and 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 has had all the rewards that he deserves like in the game and out the game.
0: Well after that you know some stints at Notts County and Stevenage. and um, but I kinda of want the interesting one I want to talk about is you end up finishing your career at Southern League side uh Bedford town Gary Setchel was the gaffer then. I know he's not anymore. Um, just what made you make the move to, to know, that level of English football?
1: Um, so it's kind of a perfect storm, really. So with the the season I left Wickham, we, I think we were going through COVID, the pandemic. I think the Football League at that point, I think they brought in a salary cap. So it all like it all happened at kind of the wrong time. I think I was a 35, 35 maybe pushing on 36 at that time so obviously it affected football a lot there was no crowds allowed into grounds so the the kind of the finances for everyone had kind of dried up so it became a very difficult place to to find anyone that wanted someone who was a bit older and and could afford to to pay any money um lucky enough pushing as far as they can go obviously to get promoted last season was 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 a great achievement uh, i think they they've been trying to do it for for a while obviously the next step up is a little bit more difficult um and as you said as you progress up the leagues it, it's it the, the teams get stronger and and uh, and harder bedford's league at the moment you've got i think like lee tomlin is uh is in in the division i think might be it, uh, he's at Il- Ilkinston, i think and i think there's like uh, uh, danny ward and, um, fair, and- Jamie <laughs> ward and chris o'grady and um i saw kemi agustin an uh, ex-Brighton and teammate. so there's there's some great players at these levels like and it's so it becomes it, it does become quite tough division. So I think for for Bedford, I think this season is all about um, survival. I think staying in the division is 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 important because it then just gives them an idea of actually what is it takes to to get out of this division or what it takes to to be competing at the top end of this division. Um, and then obviously the the higher you you go up, there's the, there's obviously a bit more money and a lot more like I wouldn't say professionalism, but more teams are. are uh More full time, um but they are they are they are doing well. They have ambitions to push up the divisions. I think it's just a step by step process um to do it.
0: Danny Ward's not long.
1: No, Jamie Ward. I
0: just was going to say.
1: Yeah, used to not Yeah, Jamie Ward who was at Derby and, and that, and oh, yeah. say Chris O'Grady, and I say I think Lee Tomlin's a, a coach now is there as well, and. There's, there's there's a lot of the none league is is really thriving it's it's i think that obviously the national league is almost all full time and you've got some absolutely massive clubs within that division um obviously as you step down those there's, there's still big clubs who are who are putting some some good money into into their team so it's fantastic for football because the the pyramid is only getting is getting stronger and stronger i feel at the lower end i feel obviously the premier league is far and above uh, everything. But I feel as you filter down, the, the leagues are are getting stronger, and hopefully they can kind of get a bit more support and a, and a bit more um uh kind of viewing from people because there there is a, a lot of fantastic clubs down there that 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 need help and to thrive.
0: Well, just some of to round up your club career anyway. Um, just some quick little cliche questions. Um, but they're always they're always interesting. <laughs> um, so throughout your career, favorite teammate,
1: favorite teammate. I've got. Two, I'd say Bayo and Aaron McLean, like two two strike partners, two different strike partners, uh, two fantastic guys. Like like to talk a lot, like to laugh a lot. Uh, so I, I got on really well both of them.
0: Who had the worst dress sense? Oh, <laughs> worst
1: dress sense. Uh,
0: out them out them don't 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 hide them out i think george
1: boyd used to come in with some at the time it used to be like you know like the the sparkly shirts and he used to come in with some sparkly shirts and some uh basketball vests and stuff like that but maybe that uh, maybe i wasn't in the fashion maybe he was in the fashion i don't know
0: you're behind the times maybe and just finally you, you know you've won promotions in in your in your time um plenty of them best night out
1: oh wow
0: if you can remember if you can't remember it i think it's that
1: <laughs> nah. um best night out I've, oh wow i think the best one i wouldn't say it, it was like a promotion night. it was like a pre-season night out when i was at peterborough um and it was in i think it was in marbella and the chairman had a big party and it was yeah i mean when you let twenty-two, twenty-two 22 footballers loose after a, a, a tough pre-season it gets a it gets a bit messy. So it was, uh, it was a, it was a lovely, a lovely party. And uh, yeah, I think a few of the boys probably can't remember it, to be honest.
0: And uh, did Darren Ferguson have a hairdryer just like his dad?
1: Yeah. I, I, the thing is, I'd never, I'd never experienced Sarah Alexis. So I, so I can't compare it to, mm. to that. But as I said to you with with Gus, every manager has a good side and a, and a, and a dark side. And there were a few times uh, when he, he'd let loose, and obviously, as a player, you just, got to, you just got to grin and bear it. And I hope it's not directed at you.
0: Well, just final part on your career, um, Scotland. Uh, seven, caps, seven caps for Scotland, uh, one goal, and uh, an important one as well at the time. Euro 2012 qualifying win against Liechtenstein. I mean, just a couple of questions in, in a row, really. I mean, how was the feeling of getting called up and then scoring a winner for the country in, in a qualifying?
1: Oh, it was amazing. Like, to be called up. I, I had when I joined Peterborough I did have a chat with Barry and obviously try and and say that I can qualify to play for Scotland and if the ever, the opportunity ever came up then I'd love to pursue it mm. um, and I think over a few years nothing really happened and then um, Craig Levine became manager and, and and he he called me up and I think my first cap was uh, Brazil at the Emirates so I couldn't have asked for a for a better first cap, to be honest, mm-hmm. And my 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 nan, who I qualified to play for Scotland for, she she came, all my family came. So it was it was one of the most amazing moments of my my football career to 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 have her there to to see me to see me represent Scotland was was just a dream come true. And obviously to then go on and play another seven times for them, it was just I, I, it was an honour. I loved every minute of it. I loved it like being being part of it. Um, and to say to to score a goal for the for Scotland was was amazing in in a in such an important game at the time. Um, obviously to be given that opportunity, I think Kenny Miller might have been struggling for fitness, and and Craig Living giving me that opportunity in such a big game to lead the line. Um, it was lovely to kind of re- to reward him with a goal, and obviously give ourselves an opportunity of going to Spain and beating Spain, which. Uh, <laughs> Was a was a, a a big ask. I think we ended up losing three one, but we put, uh, put a, a real good fight. Um, mm. I'd I'd love to have played many more games. Uh, I think obviously my injury played a, a real big part of me not playing more games for Scotland.
0: I've just got one final question, really. Just how difficult a decision is it to announce retirement, and what's next for you?
1: It is, yeah, it is tough. It is tough. Obviously, like you feel in your head, your body can keep going and going and going, and. Like I think once once you you retire, that's it. It's kind of like you step out of football. You never really go back into playing it. So it has been a big decision over the last few months. Um, I haven't featured as much as I hoped for for Bedford, um, and the kind of the problem being part time is you're not training every day in a sense. So when you you do get an opportunity to play kind of a few minutes, you're, you're not physically where you want to be, um, and that becomes frustrating. So I felt it was probably the right time to kind of uh hang my boots up. Obviously it's the turn of the year as well. So it, it gives me the whole year to kind of start putting things into into place. Um, future wise, um I'm I'm doing some striker one-on-one coaching. I want to kind of go back to some of my old clubs and just have a chat with the managers and coaches and just kind of get their views on on that side of it because I feel that's a real big uh kind of position specific side of stuff that I feel football clubs miss um the, the the striker kind of specific stuff so it'd be interesting to pick their brains and see the, on the mental side on on the physical side on the kind of the the energetic side and see if there's there's ways and means that that can kind of merge the two worlds together so it's it's completely different to football mm-hmm. I've been in I've been into that world and enjoyed that side it for a long time and it's it's helped me through my ups and downs in my career so it's just a way of working out how I can put that together for, for people for it to benefit them.
0: Well, now, congratulations on your retirement uh, and your career. Um, you can now put your feet up, have a four-pack and a KFC, and I think it will now feel <laughs> guilt-free, wouldn't it? So it'd be yeah, great.
1: yeah, knowing I don't have a game on a Saturday.
0: <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for spending the afternoon chatting to me. Um, I've really, really appreciated it. and As I say, all the best, and, yeah, in- enjoy, and good luck with your uh, striking career.
1: Cheers. Thank you very much.